The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Time Masters, the PapiChuloRadio.com original series, PapiChulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, June 14th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Please welcome my co-host, Professor X. Hello. And Millie Wood. Hello, listeners. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 6, Episode 6, which was titled Bishop's Gambit and aired June 13th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Mick takes the Waverider and Kayla to try and find Sarah, but these enemies find themselves needing each other to survive after landing on the possible planet Sarah is being held captive. After a report of an alien attack, the legends return to their new headquarters, Constantine's Manor, where both Spooner and Astra try to connect to the alien. Zari is suspicious of Constantine's behavior, but isn't surprised when she learns the truth. Meanwhile, Sarah devises a plan to escape by using her charm to win over Bishop. But she learns something more disturbing. Dun, dun, dun. That was a novel. Let's talk about this episode. A lot happened. A lot happened. A lot happened. And, And yes, there was that ending, which we will be discussing much later on. But before we get into that, let's talk about the opening scene. We've got Constantine in his home, and uh, the legends have taken over and have legendsified it in ways that the poor man with, I guess, a hangover is is just not used to. So many people. So many people. He just wants his bubble and, uh, what is it, bubble and squeak? Yeah, that's all he wants, y'all. Uh, Professor, talk to me about the opening, the legends, and uh, the the grand circle tour of the the Constantine Manor. A uh, really uh, a really good opening shot to sort of just you know we've talked before with the idea of show don't tell, and you know just showing each member of the uh, the legends is is pissing off John in their own way. John is simultaneously dealing with terrible hangover, uh, the loss of his powers, uh, and the fact that he has all these people crashing in his house and making his life a living hell. Uh, I thought they did a very effective job of doing that, and I think I I didn't notice until like halfway through the shot, uh, so I wasn't sure, but I think they did the whole thing in one unbroken shot uh 
which if so was, you know, uh, very cleverly done, just sort of, you know, ramping up the fact that he was going from room to room, uh, dealing with, uh, with all of that. And it was, it was really, uh, you know, I thought a great way to get us into the episode. If it was not a single shot, they, they did a fantastic job of trying to make it look like it was a single shot because it was, it was incredibly well done. I did Google and bubble and squeak is a British dish made from cooked potatoes and cabbage mixed together and fried. Which, okay. I don't know where the bubble and squeak comes in. That's your digestive system after you eat it. Oh, that's what happens to your tummy bubbles and squeaks. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, they look, uh, in, yeah, the pictures on the internet, they serve it with like an egg on top, potentially. Um, I don't know if that makes it more appetizing, but sure. Okay, so... Let's talk about how some of our characters were used in this episode. In particular, um, we we saw that um, we, we saw what well, we saw a lot of Ava in this episode, really trying to find uh, Sarah. But uh, they were they used Spooner in an interesting way, and I want to focus on her because I feel like we got a lot more Spooner in this episode than we've gotten in the previous episodes, maybe since she was introduced to her first mission. And in this episode, we realize that her powers are growing in an interesting kind of way. Like, we, we had seen a little bit of that in the episode in Cuba, but we, we got a like a larger taste of that in this one. And we're sort of understanding the fact that she can communicate with aliens of different species. Millie, talk to me about Spooner, how she was used in this episode, the fact that she decided to tone down her shoot first, ask questions later approach. And um, she, she changed that to ask questions and then use their darkest fears <laughs> against them. To which Astro approved. Uh, talk to me about Spooner throughout the episode. What did you think of her? And, and what do you think any of it means? I like that she's a quick learner and that the legends are already rubbing off on her. Um, you know, using the dark, darkest things that she can find and shoot first. Because I, And I think there was a mention about how she has changed a little bit, even in the short time that she's with them. Um, I feel that's a little bit of the legends effect. And I, I really am enjoying her character way more than I thought thought i would and i like that we got to see her a lot more in this episode and see more of her development um especially kind of seeing her kind of i guess fears and she the way she was like spooked about uh her ability to see these powers and also blaming the legends and you know i none of this happened before i met all y'all but i i'm curious in terms of where that's going i think maybe it's more her and i think the professor had put out the theory last uh couple of episodes ago but her being connected to aliens somehow and i can see that i feel like that is going to be becoming more and more possible because she can now communicate them communicate across them i think either that or maybe she was somehow modified um genetically <laughs> when she was younger um but i'm wondering if, if she's going to be like somehow part alien or at least kind of maybe becoming a superpowers is communicating to aliens is kind of see where the route is but i'm liking how she's able to bond with all the legends that she's developing all these um new powers Hours, and I kind of wish we can keep her around a little. Like, I wonder if we can keep her around past the season. It'll be interesting. Professor, I want to get your take on Spooner as well, but I want to sort of open up the question a little bit more with maybe some theorizing because uh, 
throughout the episode, you know, she's trying to read uh, the alien that they have. It's the Amelia Earhart alien that we saw earlier in the season. And at times, she can't read her. She can't use her alien, um, you know, mind-reading powers because, you know, uh, Amelia Earhart is presenting as human, and so her human side is in control. But at the times when uh, the alien is in control, she is able to hear the alien's thoughts. So the question that I have for you, outside of the fact that, that we saw a lot of Spooner in this episode, and, and Spooner had the fear throughout the episode of becoming an alien, and, uh, and, and the fact that she doesn't want to get too attached to the Legends because they might have to take her out, uh, I also want to get your take on what Spooner is. There are a lot of theories online. Some people seem to think that, and, and, and I referenced this before, that uh, she could be Kayla's child, that, that maybe uh, her mother is Kayla, that her mother is maybe just an alien. Uh, there's also a new theory online where some people think that maybe she's one of Bishop's experiments. And although the, um, the legends don't really know about what Bishop is doing uh, and, and um, what his experiments are, they experienced one of his experiments with the Amelia with Amelia Earhart. So could Spooner maybe be one of those? Maybe one of his successful experiments? Question mark. The professor, you are muted. So if you have said anything, all that wisdom um, was not heard by us. Uh, so very wise. I'll I'll try to recapitulate the wisdom. Uh, if you want to buy into the internet theory that Kayla is her mother, then you know you should also buy into the idea that Mick is her father, given what happens later in the episode. Um, there is that like, theory. Uh, yeah, more leaning into the uh, the idea that she's a successful experiment, or perhaps you know a, an early version uh, of the experiment. Um, I don't think it matters. I think it, it's a bit like the uh, the cloning issue that comes up. You know, the the c word uh, on on legends. Um, because, you know, we've dealt with that with, uh, with Ava trying to find, you know, her, her sense of self, her self sense of identity. Um, and the realization is it's, it's what you do with your life, who you are as a person, uh, not your origin. And so I think even if Spooner was, uh, to find out that, you know, she was a product of, uh, of either, you know, uh, you know, uh, alien lovemaking, uh, or a, uh, you know, a, you know, a, uh, a Bishop experiment. Uh, the important thing is what she does with that. And I think, you know, by establishing relationships with the, the legends, the legends are the one group of, of wackadoodles who actually, you know, would be able to handle that and go, yeah, so what doesn't matter. What matters is what you do now. Uh, I certainly enjoyed Spooner in this episode a lot more than I have in the previous episodes. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, the actress playing her was having a lot of fun when she was talking to the alien. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're continuing to get, you know, her character is, you know, it still has, you know, the, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say you know well i'll say dark uh still has the uh, the dark element to it uh but it's not as oppressive as it has been in the past so you know uh she had some funnier lines uh and uh you know uh, had a little more agency in it uh, even though we did get to find out you know this is her real fear um and so if it turns out that is the case in you know in either respect i think she would find that uh, a horrifying and terrifying thing to find out so um uh, I think the uh, the important thing would be how she deals with that, uh, rather than you know what her origin is. True, that that is true. Uh, she did have a couple nice moments with Bayrod in this episode, uh, so it looks like maybe this was the episode where they were paired up a little bit. I thought they worked really well together, and also noticed that they kind of glamified her a little bit in this episode, like the the wardrobe, 
Uh, maybe even the makeup was a little bit different. Um, and, and I thought she looked really good. Um, so props to the, the costuming and the makeup team. They did a really good job with Spooner in this episode. Speaking of people that look good, Astra and the red pants. Let's talk about Astra. And let's talk about Constantine. And let's talk about uh, Zari. So this episode, we, we saw a lot of Constantine and Astra together because he's teaching her magic. He does not have magic. And as the episode progressed, we learned that the rest of the team does not know that he has magic. Zari ends up getting suspicious, and uh, she takes out her suspicions on Constantine. What aren't you telling me? There's something going on. Something's wrong with you. Why Astra? Why are you using her a lot? And why is she doing all this like heavy magical stuff and that sort of thing? Astra does cover for him. And while, if I'm just being honest, I did not like that the truth didn't come out just because Secrets and the CW, it never really ends well. But I will say that I did think that that was a very big moment for Astra. So it's like, I, I don't like that the secret exists, but I thought her covering for John and like doing him a solid, I, I thought that was a little bit of character growth for Astra. So she covered for him. We do get a little bit of expositioniness from Constantine that basically said, you know, he doesn't want the team to know because if the team knows, you know, maybe, you know, other dark forces out there on Earth and in the underworld would find out that one of the most powerful um, magic wielders, I guess, you know, is like neutered at the moment and that could cause problems. And I was like, okay, I can kind of buy that expositioniness. Uh, and plus, if I'm being frank, I, I really enjoy the sort of Constantine Astra uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice uh, approach that they're taking the storyline, so I, I can accept it. Um, Professor, talk to me about Astra, Constantine, and Zari. Um, well, I like the fact that Zari was able to see through it and realize there was something going on, even though, um, you know, they did manage to fool her. So I think the, uh, uh, the, uh, the summary you read at the beginning was wrong in that respect. Um, again, it is sort of like, you know, it does seem like it's the, you know, CW verse trope of, you know, keeping secrets for the sake of keeping secrets. But on the one hand, it's John Constantine who would keep the secret just for the sake of keeping a secret. This is who John Constantine is. But I think that line that he gave that, you know, he can't let people know he doesn't have his powers because he has a lot of very powerful enemies. I think that's a very valid and, and, and relevant reason to do that. Um, it does make me think that, you know, I would love to have a scene where, you know, John is going up against one of those foes and has to completely bluff his way out of it. And then maybe some of his foes find out that he's lost his powers, but by the end of the season, he gets him back thanks to, you know, the magic you know, font of whatever it was, uh, Infinity or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, shows up, you know, completely repowered when they're thinking he has no powers. That could be a very funny payoff of that. So I like that. Asher was great. Um, you know, I think, you know, we, we you know, sort of had talked earlier about, you know, what is the role of Astra going to be? Um, you know, right now she's almost a beard for John. Uh, but also, you know, having her learn magic at the same time he's learning magic makes sense. Uh, it's not that John can't do magic. It's just that he can't show them. He doesn't have the level of control that he used to have. So I think that's, you know, an interesting thing for him to to play. Uh, as I said, I like the fact that, uh, that Zari saw that something was wrong. 
like you, I was a little disappointed that she uh, she was fooled uh, by their uh, their their clever uh, working together to uh, uh, to cover that up. But uh, again, I think that you know John is an accomplished liar, and you know it would be surprising if uh, if someone were to figure that out. Having said that, you know we have learned that you know this version of Zari is no one's fool. So I I think that you know she will be the one who figures it out before anyone else does. Totally. I do agree with you on that, 100%. And, and I do co-sign at the press release being a little wonky when it comes to them referencing that storyline. So let's talk about just the general team dynamic in this episode. They learn via a, um, a, a big box TV version of Gideon that there is uh, an alien in the past going by the name Sarah Lance. Now, it is this Amelia Earhart alien that I referenced earlier that we've met in the past. So they end up acquiring her, bringing her to the present, and interrogating her in an interesting sort of way. They have um, a good cop, bad cop uh, with um, uh, Bayrod and Spooner. Spooner is ready to go aggro on the alien. Um... Ava's kind of in the background just watching, you know, because she wants to, to get the, um, the, the information on where to find Sarah. But, but at a certain point, you know, once, uh, they, once she realizes that the spaceship that Amelia Earhart keeps on talking about is the Wave Rider, she goes full-on aggro on the alien, and that, uh, that uh, well that leads them to take drastic measures with, uh, with Astra, and Astra uses her magic. And, and we, we learn that this is actually Amelia Earhart, that Bishop abducted her and uh, performed the uh, alien-binding experiments with her, and that's why she has these dual personalities. Like, she's, she's still Amelia Earhart, the human, but she's got this alien inside, and because of all this, is that's when the alien comes out, and that leads to uh, the the, the storyline that we discussed with Spooner. So, Millie, I want to get your take on the team dynamic of uh, Bayron and Spooner teaming up on uh, the Amelia Earhart alien, as well as Ava's desperation. And, and it, we saw her go from cool and calm and collected to full-on you know, rage, you know, tell me where, where you're from, tell me where Sarah is with this Amelia Earhart alien. Do you think the, uh, the pressure of, uh, Sarah being out there in the cosmos is getting to Ava? Oh, I 100% think so. And I think we've seen that. I think they've done such a good job at showing Ava balancing these emotions because it is a lot <laughs> for like your partner to be abducted by aliens. And then you're also the team leader. So everyone's looking at you to figure out how to get her back but you like you know how do you fight aliens um and I, I like how we see her at some points like she doesn't know in the beginning of the season she was really a little bit kind of in denial and and, and kind of out there in terms of like the emotions and she's bringing it back in the past couple of episodes but to see that you know you're so close and then you're kind of coming up with nothing um, is a very natural kind of reaction to have so i like how we get to see her deal with that and it's not just okay she's putting on her captain hat and she's moving forward uh, because she is 
quote unquote human and has emotions. I like how we see that um, in her and for her to get crazy and see that because when you do get desperate, you kind of make interesting choices. On the the flip of like Bayrod and Spooner, I really like that pair up. I mean, they haven't really got to interact a lot and they're kind of the newer newbies. So I like how we can kind of see how they uh, work. And I feel like they vibe well off each other. They make a good team playing the like interrogation, um, the way they vibe off each other. I think that was really great trying to get it out of Amelia Earhart. So overall, I'm really enjoying that. I enjoyed that kind of plot line, storyline um, throughout. Yes, I want to give props to the Amelia Earhart actor. I, I thought she did a fantastic job just bringing the emotion. Like, you know, when she was crying uh, or tearing up, you know, experiencing, you know, the, the past and, and us learning that she's really Amelia Earhart and she was abducted and experimented on all that kind of stuff. I, I thought she did a fantastic job just emoting that. Uh, and Bayrod and um, Spooner, I, I will co-sign, I like them together. I love that he's kind of like a weed head and she, she loves her liquor. Uh, I think she's the first character that has ever insulted Gideon's, um, you know, food, foodomatic thing, you know, that, that creates any food and drink and that kind of stuff. Um, I think she's the first person that's ever really criticized it, which I thought that was funny. Um... Yes. So, uh, Professor, do you have anything to add just in regards to uh, the team dynamic, Ava, and that sort of thing before we move uh, move into Mick and Kayla and everyone else on that planet? No, I'm good. Okay, so let's move into this. I want to first talk about, uh, oddly enough, we're going to talk about Gary Green. The, he's the man, he's all the man we need. Uh, so Gary does end up finding Sarah through the sewage system uh, because he's like an, his body's like an octopus and he can you know he can go through the pipes and all that kind of stuff. And so they they create a plan. And so Gary's supposed to go get a power source, the power cell, so that they can charge up the ship, so that they can escape and all this kind of stuff. And Gary does do that, but Kayla is basically headed there as well, and uh, she uh, she uh, ruins his covertness, and uh, the Ava clones end up kidnapping him. And this leads to a fascinating conversation. Uh, first off, we have what was that, like, 60s Ava, which was spectacular. She seems to be the party planner or something. But uh, he's taken, well... Uh, there's this whole storyline with Bishop, you know, taking down the borders, the barrier or whatever, and it's going to let in all the, um, you know, the uh, atmosphere from the actual planet, uh, the part that hasn't been terraformed, and so all that, um, that, that atmosphere is going to kill any humanoids. So there is that going on. But Gary ends up, um, when he gets kidnapped, uh, or I should say captured by the Ava clones, he end up, he's end up, ends up actually saving one of the Ava clones and takes her back to the other clones. And this leads to a fascinating conversation where he fills these Avas in on his Ava. He's like, you know, my Ava is, is a leader. It's like, I'm so excited to meet all of you. Mine is a leader. And they're like, she's a leader. Like, we are, basically, she's like, we're followers. We, we do what we're told. And he's like, no, you know, I'm the one that follows my Ava, you know, and, and she's spectacular and all this kind of stuff, which, which these Avas, you know, they responded in an interesting way. 
And I, I want to get y'all's take on this. Professor, I want to get your take on the usage of Gary Green and uh, Gary meeting the Avas. Well, the usage of Gary was great. I mean, from his appearance in the toilet, uh, which, again, what sort of show could do that? You know, one of your, uh, uh, you know, one of your main cast characters crawls in through a toilet and we just sort of shrug and go, okay. Uh, and, sense. you know, when he leaves, Sarah's uh, reaction to it was great as well. Uh, I think, yeah, his, you know, could easily be overlooked. Uh, the, uh, the fact that, you know, his conversation with the Avis, I I think is very important because I think we got a sense that, you know, even by the end of this episode, that the Avas were, if not completely rebelling, at least, you know, starting to question Bishop. Um, and uh, I, I think that's going to have a big payoff. Uh, I love the scene where, where Kayla is watching him and, you know, because you were wondering, well, I mean, she's his fiance, you know, what her feelings for him and her reaction, oh, what an idiot. And basically using him as, as bait to, uh, to get the Avas, um, you know, uh, out of there so she can steal the fuel cell uh, was genius uh and even you know just the uh the fact that you know the, the referencing the time that you know he ate all of the other avas uh and his, his throwaway line but you were delicious uh it just it was so so good i mean gary is can you know easily you know tire uh you know he can easily be too much of him but i thought they used him very very well in this episode and yeah i'm absolutely certain that you know gary is going to somehow lead the uh the revolt of the avas the ava rebellion will be led by gary it's amazing. I, I I love it. Yes, uh, Millie, do you have anything to add to about Gary and the Avas? Oh, just that I'm ready for the Gary rebel, like the Ava rebellion led by Gary. I think like he's her number one fan, so that would make the most sense that he yes. is like their cheerleader, and he'll be on the sidelines as they revolt. Yes, I love that. Yes, let's talk about Mick and Kayla. So uh, they arrive on the planet. That's where we learn a little bit more about Bishop and how he terraformed it and all that kind of stuff. Stuff that just makes sense based off of what we've experienced anyway the past couple of episodes on this planet. And uh, there's they have an interesting dynamic. You know, it's it's sort of like a hate hate type of thing in the beginning. And they do end up, um, well, Kayla ends up earning a little bit of respect for Mick throughout this storyline. So they have to work together. Well, even though she kind of betrays him, but they end up having to work together with the, the this power cell. Uh, he ends up sharing uh, his oxygen with her and that sort of thing. And uh, by the end of it, they are surrounded by the creatures that inhabit this planet who only come out at night. And uh, they are on uh, uh, Kayla's ship, but they couldn't fully close the door, and so they have to get in one of those cryo-cell things. And uh, they end up banging. She bangs, he bangs they bang uh, while they're in the cell. Uh, there's this whole line of, what was it that she kept on saying? She uh, she isn't scared, she's smart, but she ends up being vulnerable with him. She's like, I, I was scared in that moment. And uh, they end up banging. So let's talk about this. Millie, your take on Mick and Kayla this episode, is this turning into a romance? Are they just, is this like a wham, bang, thank you, alien ma'am, or, or is this going to turn into something more? I feel like the way they're playing it and the, the fact that it happened so quick, 
Um, I, I wonder if they're kind of speeding up in terms of timeline, but I think it's going to be more something, turn into something. I think that's also um, kind of considering knowing, like, off-screen drama that might be a way to write uh, McRory off. You know, he's off traveling the galaxy with Kayla, maybe. So I think it is more long-term, um, because I feel like it's common if a character's going to leave, they need a love interest to go with them. And they, like, had them bond so quickly, too. So I think that it is not just, like, a one-and-done kind of thing. You know what? That is a good theory, because uh, theoretically, uh, if the character does leave in a complete capacity, and that's what it does sound like based off of everything that uh, Dominic Purcell said online in his very strange Instagram posts, because there were many posts, um, but he he is uh, open to returning for, I guess, guest spots. If they're going to just remove the character completely, and including a way for him to return, he can fly off on a spaceship with Kayla and uh, do whatever the hell he wants to do. I mean, she's kind of like an alien bounty hunter, and I feel like he he could be down with that life. Uh, Professor, your take on Mick and Kayla, everything that they went through. Um, it may have seemed a little rushed, but I think they, they planted the seeds of it, you know, when we first saw Kayla, you know, last episode. I think that there was definitely, you know, a vibe between them, at least on Kayla's part, um, you know, uh, a sense of attraction, if not, you know, uh, respect for him. Uh, and, you know, we did get to pay off uh, fairly quickly. I, I think the big thing between um, Mick and Kayla was, you know, Mick doesn't get a lot of lines uh, quite often. You know, he's he's, you know, tends to be pretty monosyllabic, uh, but he had, you know, a great line where, you know, when, you know, when they're, uh, you know, you know, gasping for breath and uh, Kayla is basically saying humans are scum and, and don't deserve to live, uh, you know, and uh, Mick says, yeah, you're right, but not Sarah. And that really summed up Mick right there. You know, he can say that, you know, everyone's terrible, but this is the one person that I like and I will do everything in my power to save that person. And I think it gave, you know, all the motivation uh, for, uh, for Mick to do everything uh, that he's been doing in this arc. Uh, you know, just, you know, it's, it's his personal respect for Sarah and, you know, he wouldn't come out and say it to her, but, you know, again, it's, it's his actions rather than, you know, what he says to people uh, that matters. So I think that was, you know, really strong and, and giving Kayla uh, as the character that he could say that to uh, meant more than if he was just saying it to another member of Legends or something like that. I think it was uh, was really clever to have him uh, have that scene for, you know, that little bit of character development for him. Mm-hmm. I agree. That was a really great moment for Mick. And Mick has been kind of, I don't know, at least I'm, the, the Mick at the start of the season wasn't really necessarily the best Mick that we've ever seen. But, but I think that kind of makes up for it, um, that line. Uh, I thought it was beautifully written, and, and it made the most sense uh, for him to say. I mean, yeah, like if, if he's going to care about anybody on the team, he's going to care about Sarah. And uh, yeah, I, I like that. So let's talk about Sarah and Bishop. Uh, yeah, we get a lot in this episode. So we learn that uh, the shocker that we had in the, at the end of the previous episode, where Bishop is back and this and the other, we learn that the explanation is the simplest of explanations. Bishop is a clone, and he has uh, cloned himself. Basically, he doesn't have, like, Ava clones. And, and what I mean by that is it's not like there are many clones of Bishop out there. It's whenever Bishop dies, a new clone is activated. So Bishop is always there, basically. He also modified um, his, his body so that he doesn't feel pain because, you know, 
that's smart. Yeah. So for this for this storyline in this episode, uh, after Sarah sees Gary, she has a plan. She's going to appear to acquiesce to Bishop. She's going to be down for everything. You know, she wants to help. She wants to be there with him, you know, doing this master plan of human-alien hybrids and all this kind of stuff. She's she's down for the cause, and she does her best to convince Bishop, even in a sing-songy kind of way, that she is down for everything. She has drank the entire gallon of Kool-Aid. Over dinner, uh, she learns that uh, Nick is on the planet, and uh, a no-no for her is Bishop murdering her friends. Like, she's like, this is not what we discussed, uh, but Bishop goes from sing-songy to maniacal in the span of uh, just a second, and uh, a fight ensues. It's um, it's rough, I will say. You know, you get a glass of uh, wine to your forehead, and with the shards still in the damn forehead, you know it's a rough fight. He ends up getting dragged um, throughout the entire complex, and, and um, in, until they get to a locked room, and that's where she sees the bishop clone, and that's when, uh, well, she starts off talking about how. You know, you just can't make a clone of yourself. You know, every scar on my body, you know, is a memory of everything that I've gone through. And Bishop says, I don't see any scars on your body. And she sees a body on a slab with the arm down. She recognizes it. She pulls back the sheet and she sees herself. And he's like, that's because Sarah Lance died and you are her clone. Elsewhere, on the Wave Rider, the alien, the, the full-on alien that was inside of Amelia Earhart, basically confirms to them that they killed Sarah Lance. So the, the venom that, was, that, that the, the alien infected Sarah with basically killed her. And uh, the Sarah that we've been experiencing the past couple of episodes is a clone. Dun dun dun! Talk about another shocker of, uh, at the end of an episode on Legends. Let's talk about this. Everything Sarah and Bishop together, if we want to throw in Ava's reaction and, and uh, the beautiful moment that Zari had consoling Ava, we can throw that in as well. We can also talk about her eyeshadow. The internet seemed to love it. Uh, Millie, let's talk about this. Bishop, Sarah, Clone Sarah, what the hell? Was your mind blown? So first note, before I forget, I was not a fan of the eyeshadow, so that's interesting. Um, <laughs> okay, the internet seemed to like it. I, I saw it, but that is very strange. I thought it was, I just didn't think it worked. <laughs> but but oh, okay. um, this is interesting because I, I usually like everything on Zari, but that one I was not grooving with. It was too yellow, too <laughs> big bird for you? I think so. I think so. Yeah. But, I mean, it's all good because I was also distracted by the whole Bishop Sarah, uh, that plot. And that was 
definitely a twist I was not expecting. Maybe the professor saw it. But I thought that was good, and I think it brings a lot of questions. And I feel like it further shows uh, kind of what a crazy genius Bishop is, and he's becoming a really interesting big bad. Um, And I love, like, when Sarah was trying to level with him and and act like she's, you know, on his side or whatever. It had to be her being all sing-songy. I thought that was a really fun kind of comedic bit. Um, Overall, kind of where he's going, it's so interesting that he's just this clone that can be just remade. Um, And and now I'm kind of curious, when did he do the whole swap with Sarah? Uh, I personally, I think there's more than meets the eye with what we saw in terms of Sarah with all the scars. So I feel like it's going to, I don't know, I don't believe that he completely clone Sarah's the only one that's left. That's kind of where I'm at right now. But I thought it was a very interesting plot twist, and I, I'm trying to figure out where his where he's going to go with this in terms of um, it's going to create a Sarah army or or something like that. I think it would be very curious um, what his next steps are. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, Bishop is proving himself to be quite the formidable foe. I, I love that he's so light and breezy at one moment, and then he can turn maniacal the next. Uh, Rafi Barsumian is excellent as Bishop. I find him incredibly captivating and charming, but yet there's like this sinister undertone to him that works incredibly well with the character. Him and Katie Lotz are having just spectacular chemistry with each other. Um, The sing-songiness that he brought out of uh, Sarah was hilarious and and perfect it just worked for me the surprise at the end i don't know if the professor saw that coming uh it blew my mind um it it just uh sort of uh, cemented bishop's formidable phoness with that because he actually killed sarah lance and this is her clone uh, a clone with all the memories and all that kind of stuff um there's a part of me that that is bothered by the fact that Sarah is dead and that this is her clone. The professor, with what he said earlier about, you know, clones and, and the C word and that sort of thing, and, and um, how does it really matter if it's a clone, if it's still the same person? I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I, I heard everything you said and I received it, and I do understand that point of view, but there's a part of me that's still shocked that Sarah Lance, the Sarah Lance that we've known since the beginning, is dead. Um, yeah, that, that was a major move uh, for the series, and uh, clearly it's going to be something that's going to affect Sarah, the Sarah, Sarah clones, Sarah Lance that's alive. It, it's going to affect her in some way, which will be interesting to see. Maybe, you know, we'll have some more bonding between Sarah and, and Ava, because, you know, Ava's a clone, and so they can bond over that or or Ava can can help her with any existential questions about life and that sort of thing. I don't know where this is going, but uh, I was shocked. I I was shook. I was shooketh. Yeah, I'm like, wow, what a way to end the episode. Professor, your take on everything Bishop, Sarah, Sarah Clone. Well, there was a lot of really great stuff in the whole Sarah uh, Bishop thing. You know, we got to see, um, you know, uh, that Sarah isn't just dangerous when she's, you know, uh, kicking ass and taking names. You know, she identified Bishop's weak point, which is his ego, and played to that and suckered him in and 
you know, between the sing-songiness and, you know, uh, getting take off the handcuffs and everything like that. But then, you know, as you mentioned, you know, her being able to turn on a dime and go back to the ass-kicking uh, Sarah Lance, uh, you know, smashing him uh, the way that we saw uh, was great. Um, I, I like the fact that, you know, the, the show sort of like, you know, telegraphed this because, you know, you have, uh, you know, at the beginning of it, Bishop saying, yeah, I have the ability to clone uh, and clone the memories as well. They're just, you know, memories, files and stuff like that, you know, essentially saying, hey, I can do it for myself. Why couldn't I do it for someone else? Person standing right in front of me. Um, also, you know, when they had the uh, the alien saying, I killed Sarah Lance, we we're all thinking, ah, you stupid alien. You think you killed Sarah Lance, but in fact, you didn't. You couldn't kill Sarah Lance. And it turns out, oh, she did kill Sarah Lance. They told us that. I mean, so they, they were giving us all of these things, but the surprise was still a surprise. Um, I agree that on one level, it's it's a little bit disappointing, um, you know, uh, assuming that, you know, that, that Sarah has died and that, you know, we're not going to get OG Sarah. Um, I did have a moment, you know, again, you know, we've, we've alluded on other podcasts to my spidey sense tingling at certain points, um, you know, looking at, at Katie Lott's blue dress, just looking absolutely fabulous, you know, great color for her, lovely dress. Uh, as she was taking him down and, and talking about the scars and stuff like that, I, I was actually looking at it thinking, you don't seem to have a lot of scars, you know, and I was thinking to myself, should they have added scars? Should they have? And then, of course, that's the reveal that this is a brand new body. Um, I think if this were to happen to, to any other character and, and honestly, you know, you might have Sarah, you know, having the reaction that, oh, my God, what has happened to me? I'm not the person I was. I'm a clone. Da, da, da. But the fact that she was the one who talked Ava through dealing with that. And it was Sarah who argued that it doesn't matter where you come from. Uh, what matters is who you are. Uh, I don't think she can you know, she can come back from that, uh, you know, or, or should come back from that. I think that, you know, uh, she might have that moment of of uh, uh, of questioning herself. What does this mean for me? Uh, but I think, you know, being reunited with Ava and Ava basically saying here, look, babe, you know, your situation is not that different from mine. Uh, so if you accept me as the person that I am, how can you not accept you as the person that you are? Um, so I think there will be some some consequences to this, obviously. But I think it's uh, it's it's more important that, you know, that if this is that the OG Sarah Lance is dead uh, for real this time, um, uh, then um, then she would have to deal with that. Then again, let's recall, this is a show that does time travel. So who knows? There is that. I did wonder if they would end up doing that, but I, I kind of feel like the storyline potential for Sarah being a clone might be a little bit more interesting than the cheap cop-out of going back in time and plucking, you know, Sarah from somewhere. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, this is a time travel show. Anything can happen. But, uh, man, I mean, talk about just this season alone and the shockers at the end of episodes. Uh, props to the writers because they, they're doing a great job with uh, the cliffhangers this season. Was there anything that I missed? A teeny tiny little moment? Uh, any additional love to 60s uh, party planner Ava or anything? Um, anything else that I missed that either of you would like to bring up before we head into the MVP? There's even a much more casual attitude to uh, Bayrod's drug use. Like last season, you know, you would sort of like he would, you know, there would be a uh, a bong in the room with him or he'd be, you know, getting rid of the uh, the smells and stuff like that. Um, in this episode, we actually see him rolling a joint and uh, and talking about Gideon being able to make a really good kush. Um, so I think that's, you know, so this is a show that uh, has drug use and tentacle sex uh, running at eight o'clock on a major American network. Uh, what a strange time we live in. 
I know, shout out to the tentacle porn. I'm sure that satisfied someone's fetish out there. Uh, tentacle porn is an actual thing, y'all. It's their stuff. Okay, let's do this. MVP, the most valuable player. Stay which character impress you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Professor, who's your MVP and why? A lot of great choices in this episode. Uh, I'm going to give it to Gary. I, I loved him. You know, he's, you know, he's he's not leaving Sarah behind. Even the last episode, Sarah was just going to get that power cell and totally leave Sarah, Gary behind. Um, you know, he he manages to find her, um, and it looks like he's going to start. You know, the Ava Rebellion. Uh, I think that's great. Uh, it, and you know, uh, you know, we, we hadn't had him for a couple of episodes, but uh, yeah, I think he he did a really great job in this episode, and uh, it was great to see him and uh, uh, you know uh, having a lot of fun uh, with it. So, uh, Gary is my choice. The Ava Rebellion will be televised, and uh, Gary Green is all the alien man we need. Millie, your MVP and why? I think I'm going to have to give it to Spooner. Um, I really like what what they did with their character and where it's going. Um, I think the good point is that the way that they have dressed her up and changed. I feel like there's more more focus going on her as we go, and I think she can play huge parts, which are through new developed um, powers. And I just really enjoy what the actress is doing with her overall. Love it. Another fantastic choice. I'm giving my MVP to Bishop. Uh, fantastic villain. Uh, epic beard. Uh, spectacular costuming. Uh, Larger-than-life personality that can go from zero to nefarious at the drop of a hat. Uh, yeah, just a really fascinating villain. And uh, he's, I think he's proving himself to be quite the formidable foe for our legends, and in particular, our very own Sarah Lance. So uh, props to the writers and the actor. It's interesting, because as I read the comments online, a lot, of, uh, a lot of CW watchers recognize him as a villain from, I think it was the Vampire Diaries, but he was a villain that uh, is, is disliked by Vampire Diaries fans so um, they're very impressed by him playing such a good villain so maybe it was just the writing that overwrote the vampire diaries i've never seen it but i'm just going by what people are saying online now it's time to rate the episode how would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten wave riders the point system is allowed and if you found the episode exceptional deserving more than a ten you may grant it the coveted golden wave rider millie wood I think it was a very solid episode. There's a lot of moving parts. I think we're definitely moving the plot forward. And I think there's a kind of less focus on the character development that we've seen in the past. But the ending, I think it was all kind of leading up to the, the plot twist at the end. And it was definitely well paid off. So I'll have to give it a 9.0 Wave Riders. So solid 9. Solid 9. <laughs> okay. I love it. You love your points so much that you had to say point zero. It's fantastic. Professor, what about you? We start. We're starting off as a solid nine from Millie Wood. Where do you stand? Uh, I'm going to give it a ten. Uh, you know, um, yeah, again, very solid episode. A lot of really enjoyable stuff. Great character work. Um, maybe not quite archive worthy, but uh, just a damn enjoyable episode. And I will actually co-sign with the professor. A solid ten as well. Uh, it, it takes a lot for me to 
to like audibly gasp at the end of an episode and that's what happened with this episode uh, everything leading up to it was really good as well it was a jam-packed episode like all of our characters pretty much had their own individual storylines uh or at least they were paired up like two or three of them they all had like the same uh storyline and that sort of thing and, and it really worked uh they, they did a fantastic job of showcasing all of the legends in this episode uh, so uh, props to the writers for being able to juggle such an immense cast especially uh, during covid when um, you know i i totally understand that uh, you know the social distancing and that sort of thing but they were able to to bring the cast together for a lot of stuff and uh, it, it kind of felt very throwbackish in, in that sort of way so uh, yeah a stellar episode very rewatchable and uh, that ending man that ending was quite the doozy so on that note join us next time for a brand new installment of time masters here's our announcer digit to remind you on how you can interact with us Thank you, Captain. Follow Perpetulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Perpetulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at perpetuoradio.com. Are you interested in joining the Perpetulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at perpetuoradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Perpetuolo Radio programs by visiting perpetuoloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Time Masters and subscribe. Back to you, my captain. Thanks, Gidget. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow with me, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. And the Professor. Good night, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Time Masters every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night.